Welcome back to the podcast. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. You know, we talk about communication so much. Communications is on every single after action report. I'm tired of that. We want to fix that. We want to move that out of the game. There has been some really cool game changer moments with the technologies that have been helping out, um, you know, our communications, how we do that. In a second here, I'm going to invite him onto the show. Wit is with uh, Slack North America. He's the VP of the public sector. And uh, what he brings to the show is just like so many cool stories. He has a really cool background. Really excited to talk to him. So, well, Wit, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. So, first of all, um, no big deal. You're like one of the most interesting men alive. Uh, <laughs> you've kind of worked with everybody. You've done have all these cool use cases. And uh, just for like our audience sake, Slack has not paid us to do this. This is not a sales pitch for Slack. However, I use Slack every day, the free version. So if you guys want to give us the pro version, I would not uh, be hurtful about that. But uh, yeah, we you know we want to talk about communications, what your your you know your driving uh, your driving force, and really maybe even pull that back here in the beginning, before we even started this podcast, you shared with me all these steps that you took to get to Slack. And so could you just for the audience sake, wait, could you explain some of your background and, and what your mission now is, is at Slack? Sure, John, I appreciate that. And for those that have met me, will probably recognize Wit, but Mark Whittington is my name. Um, I live here in Arlington, Virginia, been around DC. And John, I've been preparing for this podcast for almost 29 years, uh, <laughs> serving the public sector. Um, I, my whole interest in public sector and serving, uh, you know, serving this and, and technology started with my grandfather, who was the chief of police of Frederick, Maryland, for 25 years. Hmm. Saw his name was Charlie Maine, Chief Charlie, they'd call him. He saved uh, that city from burning in the 60s because of his strong stance around community policing. Hmm. He was a he was a, a driving force in that, and and he solved the first serial murder serial murder case in the state of Maryland. So pretty cool, pretty cool guy. If you look him up, you can Jeez. Chief Charlie Charles Maine. Um, Right after, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the story that, that the, the seminal moment in my life, in my career was um, I'm in Arlington, Virginia, North Arlington uh, on 9-11. And I was holding my two-month-old son who's now in college. And I was looking south down uh, North uh, 22nd Street in Arlington. And I could see the smoke from the Pentagon from my front yard. And I remember thinking to myself, how have I brought a child into a world like this? And so that day I declared my major as public, you know, technology, how can we use public safety, uh, technology and public safety and public security? I, I went to Oracle right after that, helped right after 9-11, helped the department stand up some of you know, TSA, uh, newly formed Customs Border Protection. My teams helped fix some of the systems that failed us on those days. Uh, I was at Microsoft at the time, and then I ran all of public safety and national security as a general manager at Microsoft. Then, uh, I mean, at Oracle, and then Microsoft hired me for that, uh, that general manager job, ran it all for, for Microsoft for a, a number of years. Uh, then SAP hired me away from there. Um, they, they, they needed help building partnerships around public safety and national security, um, helped build the response protocols for how we would respond, uh, helped live through a piece of the COVID with General Perna and the uh, in the COVID and the, the warp speed folks that were using some of our tools. 
Mm. Uh, then AWS hired me away for that to build partnerships. And then Slack hired me away to that to run their public sector business. So it's been a long, strange trip, but it has been awesome. I've been called the uh, Forrest Gump of disaster response tech. Um, I have a couple of pictures. There's a picture of me when we were granting the licenses to Oracle for the FBI Raptor 9-11. I'm in the background. There's a picture of me at the NYPD when we were talking about this domain awareness system. It's just like, uh, it's been a great trip and, I, and I'm so passionate about this business and about serving these customers. Real quick, we're gonna pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue, and collapse and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. Instinct Ready Kits are awesome, compact, fully loaded, and easy to place around your office, school, campus, warehouse, wherever. I keep a quick pack in my vehicle and one at home. Imagine Instinct Ready fully loaded Stop the Bleed Kits in every school and office. Get Instinct Ready Kits and training at InstinctReady.com. Okay, let's jump back in. It's like, I don't know if Forrest Gump is the right term. Maybe it's Where's Waldo. If you're in the back of all these photos, it's like, find wit. If wit is there, then you know it's uh, something important. So it's, I feel like Jim Cantori. I have no <laughs> idea who Jim Cantori is. <laughs> He's the Weather Channel guy that shows up when it's really bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the um, it's really fascinating to think about people's career choices. Uh, my catalyst... So I, I was helping out nonprofits before, I, almost as a hobby. And I was like, you know, I really like doing this on the side, but I was an economics major, all this stuff. And the tsunami hit in Japan in 2011. And um, some people I knew were impacted by that because I'd lived there. And I was like, okay, it's no longer the side thing that I want to do. I'm going to do this officially for the rest of my life. And um, it's funny how... Uh, these terrible moments are catalysts for, you know, wanting to improve the world. And the more emergency managers, the more responders in general have that kind of mindset of like, they're there to improve the situation. I think it's all the better. So I, I'm glad that, you know, you're in this field. I'm sorry for the circumstances, but uh, glad you're with us. And you know? yeah, I mean, having a ringside seat to watch technology and technology companies respond to some of the, the most impactful moments not only in the U.S. with the U.S. government, but like H1N1 in Mexico City, uh, the, the Haitian earthquake, hmm. watching res the response function and, and a, the amazing thesis and theme there is that people find a way to help yeah. and people find a way to communicate. Like in Haiti, they would take uh, car batteries out and they'd use a, they would use a, a, a way to charge their cell phones hmm. um, in wrecked cars. Like they, they it's amazing and the ability to watch all flavors of that tech serve this mission and to sit where I sit today with a platform, it's, it's you know, I'm the, I'm the luckiest guy on this podcast right now. <laughs> well, we've had, um, we've had Ken Graham on the podcast, who's the head of the National Weather Service. Slack is doing some big things with the National Weather Service. Maybe we can talk about that. But from a communication standpoint, 
you know, whether it's, and hopefully you get to talk about this, you know, you talked about Afghanistan briefly before, before the call, I'd like to hear some more of these stories about like, you know, people who listen to this podcast are going to probably laugh at this. Um, I say that resiliency shouldn't be the target for emergency managers because I don't want to have to bounce back, but I think it's such a critical component to what we're doing that it is absolutely incredible when I, when I've gone out to, you know, these type one incidents over the last decade or so, like people always find a way. And, uh, I, I think sometimes we have to give them more credit than what we do. We, we assume that if we don't tell people about the 72 hour kit, you know, somehow they're, they're not going to be at resilient at all on their own. And I, and I think that's uh, kind of a disservice to them. However, we need to organize our efforts so much better um, can you talk about what happened first in Kentucky? Then maybe we can go over to some of the overseas stuff about organizing volunteers using the community lifelines as kind of that catalyst to help them self, you know, cipher through where they should be at. Yeah. Well, you know, John, when we showed up to Kentucky, so one of the interesting, most interesting things about how these vol- this volunteer force of folks were responding to the Kentucky floods, it was a, uh, uh, someone who had been uh, detailed to help unify communications across multiple threads that were happening via email. And they needed a way to see it and collect it. And so that everybody that needed to be in this community could, could connect to that. We were going to show up with the, with the 15 ESFs and be like, okay, let's put a channel structure in place. Let's train the people, show them how to fish. Let's teach them how to fish on the platform. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They were having trouble figuring out whose role was what. So what we did was we just showed up with the seven community lifelines. Those were the channels. We let the response folks self-select how they, where they were showing up and what was most important to them. And they were driving their own channels out of those areas that had something to do with food, water, and shelter, uh, health and medical, hazmat, what, whichever thing they were responsible for, it was easy for them to click into that channel Hey, here's a picture of something that's going on. Here's some imp- here's a bridge that's been compromised. Mm. And the amount of value that was transacted because not only did they could they see it, they could invite people into it, and then they had all of that data there after action so they could go back and look at it. So How it was, fantastic too. Amazing. Like, absolutely amazing. The reporting process even like you have time stamped, you you're able to follow these threads, you know, you're able to do all this stuff. It is really, really incredible to think, uh, oh my gosh, man, I can think about some past disasters where you get 4,000 emails a day and you're trying to like figure out like where all this stuff is going and you're just going crazy. And just to like be able to jump in and out of conversations of what you need and when you need it and everybody have like that situational awareness. What I also find is fascinating about this story is that, again, we sometimes do a disservice to other people to not think that they have enough intelligence to do what they think is best. And when you set up the the seven community lifelines and people are naturally going into the right areas, it just showed, one, we're, we're getting really good at people figuring out what this stuff should be about. But two, like you don't have to force everything on everybody. It's like it, it can be naturally evolving if you put the right systems in place. Yeah, and we and we really, really saw that in Afghanistan um, when the government fell. A group of operators, not sanctioned by Slack at all, these were folks that needed to meet the mission. 
Yeah. They, they spun up a workspace and started collaborating to get people out of the country. And, you know, by all accounts, if you go out to Washington Post and you, you search digital Dunkirk, we were a part of that. My team was a part of that. And we got 1,500 people out of that country. Um, digital Dunkirk. Interesting. That's an interesting yeah. uh, comparison, by the way. And they were using a host of tools. But Slack was, if you go back and you talk to any of those operators, man, they were, I, and, they, and we jumped in because we had some connections at the White House and on the Hill said, hey, can you help these folks that are serving this mission? The answer for me is always uh, yes. And um, just super proud of the team and how we were able to support that effort. Yeah, I think from an after action standpoint, maybe we'll talk about this one day about like how an emergency manager probably could have helped out a lot with that evacuation process. But that doesn't the weight of the responsibility of what happened from a decision making standpoint, I don't think has to rest on all the people, all the extra helpers. I had friends, uh, funny enough, in Virginia who were receiving um, civilians and receiving people as they were coming into the United States and uh, as part of that operation. And just like yourself and just like them, we'd be totally proud of, uh, you know, supporting people and trying to keep them safe and organized as much as humanly possible after a decision's made. And that can be for any event at any disaster. Once, a de- once somebody makes a decision, the decision maker, all the people who come into play to support that, you know, show a make or break, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in, in my career, one of the big voices and someone that I've followed for a long time was uh, uh, Administrator Fugate, Craig Fugate. Mm. And he was telling, I had a conversation, I was, I feel so lucky to have a conversation with him. And he said, you know, there's the pointy end of the mission, helping save lives, recovery, keeping people safe, mm-hmm. helping them connect to services. And he said, but I will tell you what, you got to figure out a way to help fix this mutual aid, the mutual aid uh, agreements. And when you have this mutual aid construct of being able to open up a channel for a mission, say it was for water supply, and then being able to have all of those communications in housed in that channel where you can go back and look at everything with a timestamp, what was done, how much time was spent. It's, it's unbelievable. Like I I've never seen a cleaner mapping and I'm not saying that just because I'm at Slack. I'm saying it because I've spent my life dedicated to this mission and I'm lucky enough to be at a company that, that maps so cleanly. And is it perfect? No, it's never going to be perfect in a disaster, but Mm. my goodness, the way that we're helping, um, uh, just it's incredible. Like we did, we did a, a ton of work with the state of Florida after Hurricane Ian, helping deploy Starlinks with, um, you know, so that first response could have connectivity. And how they implemented that was working closely with uh, with state of Florida. I mean, innovators trying to meet a mission, familiar with the platform. Let's go. Let's do it quickly, and let's help these people. And. I think, you know, as the first response community, just like government's getting younger and younger, hmm. they, they want tools like this because they're already living in them. I look at free usage across all my, across the United States and across the government. There's this incredible amount of folks using a platform already. Well, the, so I had that, it begs me some questions. First of all, uh, to your comment about working at a great company, you know, companies are often vilified in media, which is ridiculous because we all work at different companies and I am so proud to work at Doberman and work with the readiness lab because I think you can find a win-win. You can say I can work at a company and I believe in this mission 
And when those two things all align, I think that's where companies really do like so many amazing things. I had a conversation with a school district recently where after talking to the school board, she goes, you know, I'm sorry we were so apprehensive uh, with you, but there's just so many bottom feeders in your industry. You know, it's hard to like figure out like who's real. And I said, we'll never allow a pretender to represent a practitioner. Like, you know, and I think that's, I think that's kind of where Slack is at. Like Slack is like the real deal. Slack is figuring this stuff out. Like I said, I use Slack for my audience. Now, 99% of the people who are going to be tuning in are not the video, right? This is audio. But for those people listening in, they're going to have questions like about privacy and about, you know, um, is this safe to use and all that stuff. So for those emergency managers who push back on technology, anytime a technology comes up, let alone Slack and communicating through Slack, what is your message to them? It's like, is it like, hey, here's all of our use cases. What are you talking about? Or is it like, well, we've also put systems in place to make sure it's safe. What do you well, say to that? Yeah, well, trust is our number one. Trust is our number one mission. Um, trusting our platform to help you make your life better and easier and mm -hmm. more pleasant. Um, in the public sector, we've spent a tremendous amount of time building things like GovSlack, which is uh, our product in AWS's GovCloud. We do have FedRAMP Moderate currently. We're on a path to IL-4 for DOD and IL-5. We we're on a path for FedRAMP High. Um, and because we see so much free usage, we have this sort of security governance posture where our customers are saying, hey, this means so much to my mission and say a DOD mission. I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy some slack on a P card and I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I'm going to use it to help me meet my mission. And this is, these use cases are, are becoming more and more prevalent. And now these ent entities inside the DOD are saying, you know what, I've got to use this tool. It's already helping me meet the mission. Mm -hmm. um, if, if, and when we look at some of these customers, like our, one of our biggest in this, in the emergency response space is the national weather service. They did an evaluation of, of, platforms and they chose us to help replace NWS chat. And that puts us in every, the hands of every emergency response manager that needs to collaborate on a forecast, provide situational awareness or any social media where they're disseminating social media out on our platform. That's a huge vote of confidence in what we're doing, working with the director and, and several folks on that team. I'm so proud of that. Um, it, it's almost like um, it could not have been a script that was built better um, because NWS chat's already in every EOC. It's mm. already, people are already using it. And now when they get a taste of Slack and they understand, okay, this is a full-blown channel methodology that maps to the national response framework. And this NWS hub and this, you know, this, the, the spoke is, is so powerful, man. Um, I'll talk about security with every, anyone, but I'll tell you, trust means the world to me. Uh, trust means the world to the company. And it's it's kind of how we found, this is the foundation of, of how we deliver for our customers. Well, if you're talking about purely from a business perspective, when you talked about your background of all the different organizations you've supported and like the missions within each of that, the fact that Slack decided to buy somebody, you know, buy, you know somebody pick you up, right? I, as an asset. Like, hey, this individual can really help us out and to see value in that, you know, speaks volume to what they're trying to do. 
it's the exact same reason why I brought on people like Zach Boris and Ashley Loria Golden. And, you know, I, I work with Task Force 46 very closely in the DHS. Like I, I want the absolute best for what I do in my daily life. And it sounds like Slack is doing the same thing by bringing you on too. So I feel like, know, I feel like we're brothers, John, and I'm, I feel <laughs> like I've just found a long lost brother. That's how, that's how I built my network in this world. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, I'm always working, always available. And it's, you know, if you have a problem, I think to your point about vilifying some of these businesses, the question that customer and the responder have to ask is how are they showing up when the chips are against them and how yeah. are they showing up? And we show up every time, every time we're asked for show, we show up. So I'm looking forward to working with you beyond this podcast and just connecting into your community and being there because it is, it, it, it is, it's the, it's the work of my life. And it's mm. what I'm so incredibly dedicated to. Yeah. If, I mean, like I said, uh, before we start recording, we're going to be announcing and all my listeners are going to peek up here very soon, uh, you know, about our next die pop course in uh, Philadelphia and that's in October. And I would absolutely love for you to come out there and join us. And we want to be around. Uh, I heard somebody else uh, call it. And so I'm, I'm just taking it from him, but he says building his wolf pack. Like there's so many good people out there. And just finding the right people and i'm all about you know I, there's this like quip where i use this too often i talk about being the real deal and trying to become the real deal and you know what what that means for other people and you know uh, the fact that we have been running parallels for you know i've been doing this almost 20 years but i can't believe we haven't crossed paths so I'm, you know this podcast is uh i'm grateful for it because i get to meet people like you and we get to talk about that and hopefully my listeners you know, some of them pr probably are going to be using Slack here pretty soon because they're with the National Weather Service or wherever. And, you know, I use Slack every day. Like I said, I wasn't paid to say that. But I, if I like something, I have no problem telling people that, hey, check this out. You know, I use it every day. So good for Slack. Also, I can't say this enough. I really should pay, pay for Slack because Slack is so good. I am absolutely shocked about what you get with slack and the fact that they open it up to everybody um you know that that speaks volumes in itself so you know hats off to you guys for that as well yeah when when stewart i, I interviewed with stewart butterfield uh like when i was being hired um out of aws um this our ceo um and he was so grounded in the mission right and when i mm -hmm. shared with him my plan to map slack to the nrf uh, he just was, he was blown away. He was, he like, it's rare that you get to have, uh, uh, an exposure with, with such an innovator and such a unique individual and such a great human soul that, mm -hmm. and is telling you wit, I love this. We're going to do it. And I told him, I said, Stuart with, give me, give me a couple of months and I, I will show you how we're going to save a life. Mm -hmm. Literally a couple of months, a couple of months later, uh, that's when Afghanistan, happened and we 1300 people and it just it just you know i have a slide that i use and i share with customers that's a a family um uh, uh an afghanistan uh, Afga afghanistanian family walking an afghan family walking across dulles airport holding up the peace sign hmm. and the kids are happy and they're the, the parents are smiling i mean that's you know selling tech you know it's the best it's the best you got because selling tech, you know, isn't, isn't necessarily the most sexy, but in our space it is. And in public sector, yeah. it is. And 
helping them meet that mission just to make a difference in the life of that family is something that I, I tell my kids and my wife that like, I don't work. I just, I, I wake up and I get to serve these customers. And it's, again, it's, you know, and I think everyone in this industry shares that because it's a hard job and sitting with the first responders and wherever, you know, they're doing it out of their passion for, for help and save a life. So, and I share that and it's, it's been a, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. Well, that journey, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue on and we're definitely going to have you come back on the show because like I said, you're incredibly interesting in your, your background, your passion. And it, it comes through so obvious and, um, you know, highly respect it. I highly, highly respect the reasons why. I love that uh, TED talk about you start with your why, then your how, then your what. And today it was all about why. And so um, you gave a couple examples of how, but I want you to get back on some time to talk about more of the how, because I have a feeling you have a lot more. And, uh, you know, for the sake of that time, um, Wit, there's a lot of emergency managers on my podcast, you know, a couple thousand now who are um, getting out of college. I get their emails all the time. For those younger generation who are used to technologies and want and like really crave this stuff, trying to implement that, from somebody who's been doing it, like you said, 29 years, what would be your advice for them um, as they're moving forward in their career? I think, um, and I, I teach, a, I, I went to James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and I go back and I teach a class uh, called, uh, uh, it's, it's public sector, it's careers in public sector IT. Hmm. And it's amazing to watch their eyes open as I'm sharing with them the fact that how technology makes a difference in people's lives. But the, there's some people that connect to that and there's some that don't. And I would say that for folks exiting and, and, and wanting to consider a career in, in emergency management or public safety, um, you have to kind of check to make sure that your passions are there. Mm-hmm. You have to check to make sure that you have sort of this almost genetic gravity of wanting to be a servant leader and be a, someone who is ready to put everything on the line, stop their lives, jump in and help. And you got to be ready to work. And, and so there's sort of a, a self inventory of that one thing. And then I think everything else is becoming a student of the student of tech, student of process, student of, of, of past disasters, goods and bads and digging in and really unlocking that. Because if you have that passion and you have that sort of curiosity of how you're going to help save a life, the, the, the sky's the limit. It's, it's been the sky. It's been the, it's, it's made my career. It's put me in the seat today. It's what's going to put us together, hopefully somewhere having a, having a beer and enjoying a, a conversation because it's those things that, that, that go unspoken in college or unspoken. It's like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta ignite that spark and those passions. And then once you do it's, e- you know, I don't want to say it's easy, but it, it kind of is because you will go and find, you'll work and you will find a way to be a part of this industry, to be a part of this, because there's no shortage of, of need. There's no shortage of, 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 of folks that have that mission focus, have that passion and want to deliver for customers or deliver for their citizens. It's the, um, you know, there's an element there of Rodney Melsick. He's like the father, I call him actually the godfather, but he's the father of emergency planning. And, um, you know, your kind of passion there is the same kind of passion I have. There's no such thing as plan B. I make plan A work because I, I believe in the mission. 
I got into emergency management because I like puzzle pieces and trying to solve complex problems in order to save and sustain life. And um, if I'm not doing that, those are the, like the hardest days when I don't get to like dive into like that, even like that thought process of how do I do this? How do we improve it? And, um, you know, really moving forward in that process. And so if I would have been able to, but my mic is on a uh, boom here, I would have done the mic drop for you. But uh, that was fantastic advice with great episode. Um, for those who are listening, who are thinking about technologies, we've talked about technologies in the past. This is another way to use technologies to improve your communications. If you're using Slack, if you're forced to use, you know, uh, rock and chisel, whatever it is, I would love to hear about it in the comments. If you have questions for Wit, I'm going to allow Wit to answer that on social media, on any Disaster Tough uh, podcast channel, whether it's on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or whatever. Just tag us, and we can send that over to him. If you have a specific question, we get, like I said, we get lots of emails. If you get the, if you send us an email, I can forward it on to Wit as well. Uh, I can maybe also put his contact information in um, the show notes, or at least Slack's information in the show notes. Um, if you got something out of this. You know, like I always say, we really appreciate it. If you can give us a five-star rating and subscribe, that lets us know that you appreciated it. And uh, we'll see you for the next one. <laughs>